You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Vicki, and I'm in Canandaigua, New York. This is Amy Blacklack. Hey, this is John from Colorado Springs. I write at ESI Money. And this is Doc G, and today we're going to earn and invest in the question of whether it is ever too late to pursue financial independence. This is a Rewind episode. It was taped over a year ago, so this was before COVID. It was also while the podcast was called What's Up Next, so you're going to hear my co-host Paul Thompson It's a fun episode. We had a great time recording it. And I think this is an evergreen topic. It's really easy to say when you're 20 years old that if you start saving, earning, and investing now, you will find your way towards financial independence fairly quickly. But what happens when you're in your 40s or in your 50s or even older? Is it ever too late to start? Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. So, Paul Thompson, what's up next? Hey, Doc. I can tell on this episode we're going to have a lot of fun because we are asking our guest panelists, is it ever too late to start pursuing financial independence? We will begin with introductions. Hey, guys. I'm uh, John. I live in Colorado Springs. It's awesome here. I write at ESI Money. I retired at 52 three years ago. Hi, I'm Amy Blacklock. I'm the blogger behind Life Simplified and co-founder of Women Who Money. And I left my job in February of 2018, currently waiting for my husband to retire in the next year or two. Hi, I'm Vicki Cook, and I'm in Canandaigua, New York. I'm semi-retired, and I write at Make Smarter Decisions as my own website, and I'm a co-founder of Women Who Money. And I'm enjoying semi-retirement. My husband's retired, and we're getting ready to head off to our Florida snowbird home in another month. So John, let's go back to the beginning. When did you discover financial independence and where were you in your career at that time? That's a good question because I still am bitter with Mr. Money Mustache that he wasn't around like 10 years earlier because I would have (laughs) retired 10 years earlier. So I'm still working through that. But I probably discovered it five years ago, let's say, because in my generation, when we grew up, if you retired at 60, that was early. And that's really when you thought about financial independence is when you retired. And so if you did that, you were really doing well. That was kind of my trajectory. And then a few years ago, when Mr. Money Mustache came out and the fire movement started kind of percolating, that's when I really discovered it and then looked at my finances, found that I was financially independent, had been for a few years at that point in time. And then eventually circumstances led us here to Colorado Springs and it's a great place to retire and live. And that's what we did. And looking back, 
back now, what age were you, do you think, when you became financially independent? So I was 42. I went back and did the calculations. So I could have retired 10 years earlier. That was one of the things that if I had to do it all over again, I would have retired much earlier than I did. Vicki, answer that question for me too. When did financial independence come onto your radar? And were you similar to the demographic of people you saw online talking about it? It came to me back in uh, 2012. And again, similar to John, I was a Mr. Money Mustache, you know, uh, was introduced to him by my brother and started following along and consumed anything I could read about financial independence and really started to question like where I was and where we were as a family. I was 45 at the time and I just finished my doctorate. So I was a school administrator and I was looking at what path I would take after I finished my doctorate. And I'd have to say it was kind of a slow go at the beginning because there was no way I believed that we were close to financial independence. Yet my brother kept telling me we were. He said, stop, you have real estate. I've been real estate investing since I was 26. And he said, you know, you need to stop and look at what you have. And it took two or three years of going through the numbers and and charts and notebooks. And I finally decided we were financially independent when I was about 48. And that's when I made some moves. I I went part-time. I taught at the college level. Since then, I'm just kind of on the the downslide for work. I, I do a little bit here and there just to get ready to get a full pension. So let's look back at 45 for you, Vicki. Mr. Money Mustache probably at that point was in his 20s. Yeah. Did most of the people you see commenting on his blogs, did they appear to be your age or, or to be from your cohort? Uh, they didn't at first, but they're certainly, as he grew, the, the demographics grew too. Certainly within two or three years, you know, you could find almost anyone. And there was a big group in their 40s at that point. So it was easier to relate. But I do think that's a problem now with the fire movement is that everyone's so young that people think they've missed the boat. So it's important for us to have these talks. And Amy, if I remember correctly, you discovered financial independence in your 40s. Is that right? That's correct. I uh, discovered it in in 2013. I would have been 46 at that time, now 52, and started also one of the first articles I read was by Mr. Bunny Mustache. So I also came in through him as well. And did you feel behind the eight ball at that point? Did you feel like you were already behind? Behind for early retirement, yes. Felt I was a little concerned about how I would be for regular retirement, assuming that would be at 65 or 67. And that's why I started researching because I wasn't sure how on track I was for that age. I had been through a divorce in 2011 and restarting finances, that kind of thing. So I was uh, researching how to save money, make sure I was saving you know, enough for retirement and then kind of stumbled on the fire scene. So John, I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball at you. One of the main questions I think that we're going to talk about today is when or if it's ever too late. So let's go back to this time when you're starting to consider early retirement. In fact, let's go back to this time when you're about to leave your job. I'm going to pull a horrible joke on you. I'm going to wipe out your net worth. I'm going to get rid of your bank accounts, get rid of all your real estate and say that you have all of the knowledge you have the job that you had before you retired. You were 52. Could you have reproduced this path and how long would it have taken you? Wow, that is a great question. I was actually thinking about that this morning on my walk because we met last night with some uh, young people from our church who were, I got to introduce them to financial independence in their early 20s. So that was a great conversation with them. So really, because we were telling them our story and say, we didn't really get started till after the ages that they are now. So they saw five years ahead of us if they start now. So really, if I reached financial independence at 42, 
I really started working on any sort of financial anything, and it was really rudimentary, maybe when I got married, which was 27. So that's 15 years that took me to achieve financial independence. And a lot of those early years, there were a lot of fits and starts, and I don't know what I'm doing, and I'm making mistakes, and I learned by trial and error. And my salary was obviously as someone who had a salary at 27 is different than my salary was at 52. So I think if I had had to start over again, had zero net worth at 52. I think I could do it within 10 years. And Vicki, I'd like to ask you the same question. If we started you at zero again, but allowed you all this knowledge you have now, could you do it? And how long do you think it would take? In listening to John, I think it would take a little bit longer because of the career field I'm in. As a 52-year-old teacher, you're not making six figures you know, in, in my state. You're not even making close to six figures. So I think as a teacher, it would have taken me a lot longer, probably 15 years maybe. But again, that would be without real estate and, and without a lot of the other things I did early on. But with all the information that's out there now, if I could start over and even with a, a modest salary, I think 15 years, you could do it without any trouble. And Amy, we talk about financial independence as being reproducible. In fact, that's one of the great things that we all talk about is if you are just armed with the right information and knowledge, almost anyone can do this. Is it as reproducible for the 40 and the 50-year-old as it is for the 20-year-old? I think so. Again, maybe you're not going to be retired by 35, 40, but I still think early retirement, as we define it before 60, is definitely achievable for most anybody. Sure, I think there's some people it might not be, but I think for most people it is. John, you and I first met in person at FinCon last year, and you made kind of a glancing joke that when everyone else was going out, you were heading back to go to bed because you couldn't stay out the way you used to be able to. And yeah. as I go to like these FinCons and the Camp Fies and I go to the Choose FI meetups locally, I notice that I'm getting to be the oldest person in the room or certainly close to it. Is financial independence a young person's game? Um, I don't think so. I think it's a game for anybody, really. Um, we just talked about the fact that it can be done in 10 to 15 years. So, you know, even if you're, you know, if you're 55, you know, you could be financially independent by 65 or 70. And the way people are living these days, and people, I play pickleball with people that are close to 80 that are pretty good. So, you know, I think any age it works, you just have to apply the principles. Vicki, John just said that, you know, within 10, 15 years, you could be financially independent. How fast can people really get to financial independence? I think a lot of it depends on their, you know, their life circumstances, you know, kind of like Amy said, I, I think there are people that have roadblocks that some of us aren't facing. And uh, you know, I, th I think that's a realistic piece we have to put into the play. But I think that if you're in that mindset that you know, I'm never going to retire, because I think people see that now, like they, they just assume they're going to work forever. I think that's something we need to really look at is that you don't have to do that. If you can make these changes and, and learn, you can retire at 65, 68, 70. You don't have to keep working working in your 70s. Amy, what Vicki is talking is about mindset. Is this idea of it's too late, is that a limiting belief? I 
hear that a lot, see that a lot. You see it in headlines, you hear it uh, just in between friends. I know a lot of people who say, I'll never be able to retire. I'll have to work, uh, you know, until I'm 70, 75. And I just think that really is a limiting belief. I mean, my husband and I are, are a great example. I thought I would work till 65 or 67. Once we looked at earning more money, saving more money and investing more money, we were able to do so much. I mean, it, it took a combination of that. We did need to increase our income. We did need to see where we could save more money by cutting out high expense items, downsizing, getting rid of uh, fancy cars, etc., and putting more money into our investments. And once we did those things, it was amazing. And it took us you know, six years from the time we really started. Now, we did not start at zero. And yes, we were in our late 40s, early 50s, so our incomes were higher, but we did it in a, a short amount of time. Now, with that said, my husband is still working, and that's because he does have a son uh, who's a senior in high school, and we're working through his senior year. So, John, Amy calls out the name of your blog, Earn, Save, and Invest. And I like this framework that you've made for us with your blog and your content about the three corners of the triangle. And it hit me that maybe as you get in your 40s or 50s, the importance of each corner becomes different. So is the importance of earning and saving investing, does it change the order of which is more important as you get older? I mean, for the 40 or 50 year old who's starting from zero is maybe saving or earning more important than investing, whereas for the 20 year old, maybe investing is more important? There is different times in life. They've each had different weights for me, uh, even in my journey. So I would say, yeah, it probably is. Is there any standard? There probably isn't any standard because you know I'm a big believer that personal finance is personal. So for one guy, earning might be more important at 50, where another one might he has already got his earning under control and he's just really needs to focus on cutting his expenses. You know, if I was doing it again, you asked me about the 10 years. My chief focus would be how can I do all three of them right away to get enough to really then focus on the investing part because that's where, and uh, Vicky's into real estate too, you know, where can I get some homes? Where can I get some apartment buildings as soon as I possibly could to start then giving me more income, which that build, you know, even more that I can invest and get that snowball kind of going as soon as possible. As I think about it now, the older you are, the more important all three of them are. You know, when you're younger, you have a little bit more leeway. Yeah, I don't necessarily need to push my career too much. I could say expend a little more and the investments will still have 40 years. To, you know, what's the difference between 40 years and 38 years? But when you get older, you know, your time is running out. So you need to focus on all of them. I would just go great guns on all three of them. And I think that's why I said the 10 years, I think, because it takes all three of them. John, one of the points you made when you were summing up your millionaire series, you did it a bunch of months ago, is you said one of the things you learned about millionaires is they make mistakes. If you start late, do you have much less room to make those mistakes? You do. But hopefully you've got, you know, 20 to 30 years of wisdom too, or experience, you know, you've made a lot of mistakes already. You've seen, you know, what you've done with your career. You're not going to do that anymore. You've seen, you made bad spending mistakes. You're not going to do those anymore. And maybe you've had a few investments mistakes as well. So, you know, it's not like you're entering the game at 50, you know, without anything. You do have some, you know, life experience that hopefully you've learned from. And it's correct that you have less margin of error when you're older, but you also have, you know, life experience that should help you out. Vicki, what we're talking about here is strategy. And you started your blog, Making Better Decisions, and you created a framework for how we can make good decisions, especially good financial decisions. Does that framework change if you're starting older? 
I don't think the framework itself changes. I think your goals probably change. You know, the goals that you use to rank your objectives versus your options that you're going to pick from. I think overall, your goals would be the thing that changes. One other comment I wanted to make to John's point about the triangle and and ESI over time, I, I was just making myself a note that, boy, I think lifestyle inflation comes into play as you're older and you start making the money when you should be saving and investing it. It certainly feels like, I know it did in my 40s, like, wow, I, I finally deserve to get some of those things. And I push back on the lifestyle inflation and that's what moved the dial for me. I didn't go buy the big house and I didn't go you know, buy the big camper. And that's what let me save and invest more. Yeah, that's good stuff. You know, I think uh, we're talking about you know when you're older, the disadvantages. I would say there might be some advantages when you're older, actually. So I think to Vicky's point here about you know buying the big things and everything, and my earlier point about wisdom, you've got that wisdom, you've made the mistakes, so now you won't make those. So that's an advantage. Another advantage is a lot of people look at financial independence, I and mean, we're all talking about financial independence in the 40s and 50s. But if you're starting at 55 and you say you're trying to work for you know 10 year time horizon social security becomes a factor then too which becomes part of your income which a lot of us don't kind of discount right now we're all you know we just say well, we're not going to count on that if it comes great but we're going to do it on our own but someone who's older can count on that and make that part of their strategy so that's actually an advantage it might be an advantage that you have a lot of your major life expenses out of your way your kids might already be through college you've already got that done some of us dealt with that one of the reasons I retired when I did was because my daughter still had a year left at home so I could spend with her. So she still had college ahead of her. So when you're older, you might have had those major expenses behind you as well. So you might not be facing as many hurdles as other people did when they were in their 30s and 40s trying to save for financial independence. Amy, can you echo that point? Were there any advantages you felt you had starting in your 40s that maybe you wouldn't have had in your 20s? Yes, definitely. We put two children through college, all expenses paid, and also through parochial school, through high school, whatnot, all their college expenses. You know, I had a home already, had vehicles already, had already started some investing through a 401k with an employer. My college degree was out of the way. You know, all those things were done and paid for by the time I reached the 45, 46 years of age where I really started focusing on financial independence. Vicki, following up on this point, don't you also have a lot more clarity on your career? It seems like you in your 40s knew a lot more about what you wanted to do with your career than you did when you were much younger. Yes, I did. But boy, did the financial independence make a difference though, because normally the trajectory for my job, I would still be a school administrator right now until I was 55. So for three more years, I wouldn't be here right now. I'd be at school. Learning about financial independence allowed me to leave my job and go work at a college. And now I teach online. So I have you know, location independence as well. So had I not done that, I would have taken the traditional route to 55. I'd be a school administrator and I'd be working, not at home, enjoying. And John, Vicky talks about location independence. And as she does, I start thinking about some of the special tools we can use, especially if you are a little bit older and trying to get to financial independence faster. I know you've talked about geo-arbitrage as one. Talk a little bit about that as a technique for maybe someone who wasn't as careful in their 20s and 30s. We were actually talking about this last night, the group I told you about uh, speaking to the young people about financial independence. And we live in Colorado Springs, which is 
a really hot market right now. So they're facing a lot of challenges with housing. And I said, you know, hey, there's nothing that says that you have to live in Colorado Springs. There are a lot of great places to live in where your housing costs and everything else associated with them can be much, much lower. And it, they were like, wow, that's right. You, <laughs> that's a good idea. So in, during our career, during our working lifetime, we moved mostly because of job opportunities. We focused on the E of the ESI when we made moves. But a happy coincidence of that was a lot of the places we moved to were low cost of living areas. So we lived in Nashville before Nashville you know, got as big as it is now. We lived in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is where we bought our rental real estate. That's a very low uh, cost of living market then. It's a little higher now, but still very affordable. We lived in Oklahoma City and the state of Oklahoma is generally affordable and Oklahoma City certainly was too. So we did it kind of driving the E, but the S was part of the equation just because of where the opportunities were. Someone that was thinking with that later in life and trying to plan for that could make job decisions based on you know, the whole thing. We, and we always did that too. If we, you know, if you had a job in New York City that paid the same amount as a job in Grand Rapids, Michigan, it didn't take a, you know, a rocket scientist to figure out that we're going to net more in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So yeah, I would say that someone should take that into account and, and that might be part of the strategy. So that's another advantage of, if you're older. So for example, people living in California are moving to Colorado in droves because they have a lot of equity built up in their homes. They can buy mansions here and still have a ton of equity left over that they could then into investments that would help them reach financial independence earlier. Now, if they took that a step further, instead of moving to Colorado, move to Iowa, where I grew up, you could buy like the whole state of Iowa and have like a, a lot of money left over probably. So that's another advantage that you have some assets built up. You can look at what you can do with those assets. You can move them. You can take equity out of them. And by moving to another state or even downsizing in the state that you're in, and that gives you a leg up over someone who would be 22 trying to start their journey to financial independence. Amy, let's talk about are there other advantages as you get older? I know that there are catch-ups for your Roth IRA and for your 401k. So as you get older, the government actually gives you some benefits and allows you to put more away. Is that correct? That's correct. You can usually put up $1,000 more a year and some and 55 or 5000 more for your 401k. And Vicki, I want to transition a little bit here. Talk a little bit about your Younger Next Year Facebook group and how that plays into getting people involved in the community who are a little bit older and aren't 20-year-olds coming right out of college. Well, I wish more of them would get involved with the money aspect. We bring it up on occasion, but there's certainly a lot of parallels in taking care of your health and, and taking care of your finances. Uh, you see that in a lot of people's writing on their blogs. As they get older, they start recognizing you know, how the two go hand in hand. We're all wanting to live longer. We want to live healthier, but we also have to have the finances then to back that up. So that's the important piece there is that you want to live a long, happy, healthy life, but you want to be able to fund it as well. And Amy, I've noticed you too in your blog, Life Exemplified, you talk a lot about the connection between fiscal health and physical health. Does that play into our conversation? Is it not just about getting your finances together, but getting your fitness together? I think it's not only your fitness, but your mental health as well. One of the reasons I started Life Exemplified 
was because I was reading a lot of fire blogs, followed a lot of bloggers for quite a while, a long period of time before I actually jumped in and started my own blog. But the reason I finally felt motivated to do my own was I saw a lot of people worried about their money, but not worried about their health. A lot of bloggers complained about being overweight, nutrition wasn't good, not sleeping, that kind of thing. And I've always been someone interested in health and fitness. I was a personal trainer for a while, a nutrition coach, that kind of thing. So I was started Life Simplified to try to marry everything, try to get people to look at not only their finances, but their physical health, their mental health, and how it all comes together. Because if you're not well in one area, you're not necessarily well in all areas of life. So I'd like to ask about this idea of we take away your net worth, all the assets that you guys have acquired, and let's actually put together a game plan. Because there are people potentially who are listening to this who might be in that similar situation. What do you do first? But let's say you're starting at 50. So you're in a career you've had for 30 years at that point in time. Got to be making above average income at that point compared to the normal population. So I would look at, you know, what else can I do? Do I think my career is the best way to earn more money or do I think a side hustle is the best way? That would depend, I think, on what your career is. If you're in a career field, like, like Vicky talked about, it might be in, in one where you're kind of capped as far as opportunity to go up in your career, but then you have time to do a side hustle. So it focus on that. I was in business, so I always had a pretty good opportunity to drive my income. So I would look at ways that I could get promoted quickly, that I could ask for a raise if I deserved one, if I could maximize my bonus potential. I will look at all those sorts of things to make my income as high as possible. And I would probably do a side hustle too, just because that's kind of who I am. So I'd look into some things that I'd done in my past that I thought I could monetize. So for me, it's been writing, uh, but I've done things like I've been a soccer referee. I've done some consulting. So you take your business experience and you give it to somebody else. So I'd look at what those opportunities are to get my And then, of course, my wife. My wife was an audiologist, and she didn't work when our kids were at home, so she could go back to work. I looked up for fun what an audiologist makes nowadays, and she could make near $80,000 a year. So she'd have to get recertified and all that, but I could put her to work. So now we got both of us working, and we've got you know a massive income at that point in time. So that's the earning part. The saving part has really never been an issue for us because my wife is great. I always say that she could make a penny into a nickel, and it's probably more like she could make a penny, you know, get a dime out of a penny. So our savings, we don't have a lot of exorbitant expenses. We could cut easily. But let's say people do. You just start looking at what your expenses are. Do I need two cars? Can I get by with one car? Can I move to a smaller house? Look at the big expenses. Do I really need the latest iPhone, the best computer TV, everything else? Cut those expenses. And now you have a huge gap between what you make and what you earn. And that money then goes into your investments. And then you start looking for real estate. You look for opportunities. It could be index funds. You know, index funds tend to do well when you have a lot of time and we don't have a lot of time in this scenario. So I would focus myself personally on real estate and real estate deal. I'd start going to local meetups and just beating the bushes and seeing what happened. I had a, an agent in Grand Rapids that did that for me. So I'd find someone here and start networking and see what the opportunities are and start investing as soon as I could and just keep that cycle going. Big income, low expense, a huge gap between the two and taking that money and investing it like crazy. Yeah, I like that because basically what you're doing is you're switching from labor to capital as soon as possible right? right. because your labor is limited to your time, whereas your capital is nearly unlimited. I agree with John about the real estate. You know, we started investing in real estate. My family has always invested in real estate. We had five rental houses when I was growing up. My brother 
I told you he was my uh, leader into this whole financial independence movement. He retired when he was 31 and uh, bought a bunch of properties and that's what he's lived off of. But the one thing I was jotting a bunch of notes as John was talking, I've never budgeted ever. Ever. Like I've never tracked my expenses. I've never budgeted. I've always had enough money. I think, you know, people in our age group too, like I bet a lot of people don't know what they spend. You know, a lot of people don't track expenses. I'd start there. I'd start figuring out where every dollar went, tracking your expenses. You have to know where your money's going before you can figure out where to put it, you know, where that gap is to grow that gap. But I also think that we also have to be really careful not to take care of our adult children before ourselves. I think that what we see now is, you know, our kids are going to school and, you know, some kids are taking out these huge loans and we want to help our kids, but we also have to, you know, that whole uh, airplane where you put the air mask on yourself first that, you know, we also need to take the burden away from our children when they're adults that we've taken care of ourselves. So I think about that piece a lot too, that as much as I want to help my children and I have, I also need to make sure I'm helping myself. Following on that, Amy, I'll ask you a question. Which account do you fund first? We have all these choices available to us, 401ks, IRAs, HSAs. Which one do you fund first? You're 50 years old and you are trying to invest. Do you even do retirement planning funds or just do real estate? If you're working for an employer and they offer an employer match on your 401k or any type of investment matching their HSA, if they do any matching with that, that would be my first thing to do, would make sure I'm taking advantage of those types of things. Then I think it depends on your tax bracket and your overall income as to whether you continue pushing that or do you maybe look at a Roth IRA and go that way. So that would be some initial things. But I have some things to add to uh, what Vicki and John said. I agree with Vicki, you got to track your spending. I mean, that was like one of the first things we did when I found the fire community was to see where our money was going. And then what John said, I looked at how could we increase our incomes? Both my husband and I changed jobs to make more money. I completed a college degree to make more money. But one of the most difficult things, I think, especially when this, when you get to be later 40s, 50s, is your ego. You have to check your ego. We get to this age and part of the reason we haven't reached financial independence yet, for some of us, is because we think we deserve that nicer car. We deserve that bigger house. We deserve to go out to eat. We've worked hard. We've raising kids. We're busy. So, you know, we reward ourselves. And not everybody does this, but for us, that was a big thing. You want to reward yourself. You deserve all these things. And you want to keep up with the Joneses. I mean, you do want to do what your friends are doing. You want to take the same types of vacations. You want to go out to eat. You want to live in the same neighborhoods, those kinds of things. But I think it's probably a little easier to do that when you're younger than it is all of a sudden at 45 to say, you know what? I'm going to go from a 4,000 square foot house down to a, you know, 1,200 square foot house because we think that we're of the age that we deserve that. We've worked long enough. We should have those things. But I got to tell you, it's so worth it. I used to drive XK8 convertible. I now drive a 2008 Ford Focus. It's so worth it. No, people don't look at me at the intersections anymore. I can't go as fast as somebody beside me, but a car gets me to where I want to go. I wrote an article. I have a, no longer have a sexy vehicle, but I have a really sexy investment account now. And that means more to me than anything. Just to be able to take care of myself and my husband, you know, our families, we're going to be okay. And as Vicki said, our kids aren't going to have to do it because we did it. In the first half of the show, John, Vicki, and Amy discuss when they discovered financial independence. After the break, we dive into downsizing. But first... 
Have you ever found yourself wanting to have the same quality and level of discussions we have on Mondays and Thursdays on the Earn and Invest podcast throughout the week? Well, if you do, the best place for you to go is facebook.com slash group slash earn and invest. That's right. Earn and invest has its own Facebook group. And there we discuss business, the economy, the stock market. Yes, even occasionally politics become part of our community, join together with our friends so that we can talk about what's going on in the world. We would love to have you. John, you not only do a millionaire series on ESI Money, but you also do a series of scale interviews. And I want to know, do you see a little bit of what Amy is talking about here, the ego and keeping up with the Joneses being an impediment to people reaching their financial goals? I mean, yeah, that's prevalent within our society. Now, Amy, you were saying that you thought that it was harder if you're older to kind of downsize. Is that what you were saying? It's not harder when you get to a certain, like when your kids are gone and you might be ready to downsize because yeah. you know, you're thinking about retirement. But I'm saying is, I think as you get older, you know, you're older, you're supposed to have nicer things. You're supposed to ha- maybe okay. have, you know, a nicer car because you deserved it. And it's almost like society thinks that as you age, you get more, you deserve more, you know, more yeah. should come your way. Yeah. Cause I actually think that as I've gotten older, you know, as you get older, and I play pickleball a lot and I play with people that are generally a lot older than me. You know, you start talking about your ailments, you know, Oh, I got this and this is my arms not working and my knee and I just had hip replacement. And you know, these people are having things and, and you start having issues too. So I think you actually, you know, that physical problems have a way of humbling you and have a way, you know, sharing them with other people. And they just have a way you go into a, a doctor that you haven't seen. You haven't been to the doctor for 30 years. You don't need to, and now you are, and now, you know, you're having to deal with issues. So I think as you get older, you kind of get kind of that life humbles you. And I think that could, in a way, help you if you're looking to achieve financial independence later, because you're saying, you know, I've already dealt with this, these other issues. How hard is it now for me to go from a BMW to another car that doesn't go as fast or have as much prestige or whatever? You know, that's easy compared to what other things I might have done. I think that might actually be another advantage of being older. I would also add, as I'm, you know, as we're talking here, I'm thinking about more things you know, what could we do if we had to like achieve financial independence, you know, very quickly, I think house hacking, you know, not only real estate and buying real estate, but you know, I would be willing to go if I have apartment buildings in Michigan, I would go live in one of those apartments. They're not nearly the size of the house I live in now, but if I was on a mission, I would be on a mission and I would live in one of them. I would rent out the others and I would do that for as long as it took to get that up and running. And I've been looking for the next one and I would do it again. You know, you, you could do that every couple of years, you know, for five, Five years, you would have, or for 10 years, you'd have five different apartment buildings. That's a pretty good retirement nest egg by that time. If you got them all rented and they had, you know, four units each time, that's 20 units total. That's a pretty good, you know, income, you know, 10 years down the road. I agree. When you're 40, it might be a little harder than when you're 50 to be so humble. For example, as you age, when you get 50, your parents are getting older, you're starting to see even more things going on with them. And you start to understand a little bit more about things don't make you happy. I mean, if you if you haven't already gotten to that point, you start to see your parents aging, the health, going through something with an, an elderly aunt right now. So yeah, I really see how 50 years of stuff just isn't important 
Vicky, Amy brings up something interesting that I hadn't even thought about before. So yes, as you go into your 50s, maybe you're offloading some of the financial concerns about your kids, but you might be walking right into financial issues with your parents. Do you think that's a significant limiting factor with people who discover financial independence in their 40s and 50s? Definitely. I'm incredibly lucky. My parents have always taken care of themselves, taken care of themselves well financially. My father is in an assisted living center. He's 89. Uh, He's had Alzheimer's for 10 years. We haven't had to help, but I know there are a lot of people who are my age who would have to help. You know, we certainly help emotionally. We help in every way we can, but not only could we be having to help my parents financially, but we could also be spending a lot more in travel. I don't know if people think about that. My parents are in Florida. We're in New York right now. If I had to go down there every month or every two months, we'd be spending a lot more. You know, I look at Amy's situation since I I know it well. I think this is something as people are heading into financial independence, especially later, that's another piece of the puzzle that we might not have given enough discussion to at this point. John, are we being overly ambitious using the R word? Like when we're talking about people in middle age and maybe upper middle age, maybe their goal shouldn't be retirement per se, but maybe a stronger financial standing? Yeah, I I write about that a lot because, you know, I'll I'll have tips that I give on my site and people will say, well, yeah, that'd been great if I knew that 30 years ago. My point of view is, you know, even if you have 20 years left, if you have 10 years left, you have five years left, if you do it now, you're going to be better off than if you didn't do it, you know? So if you do it now and you only have five years, you'll be better off in five years. If you do it now and you only have 10 years, you'll be better off 10 years. Yeah, we all don't have 40 years runway at this point in time, but, you know, if you take good, solid financial principles, and you apply them right now, you will be better off down the road. So if financial independence is too lofty of a goal, then let's just try to get some improvement. Let's make small gains on a regular basis. And those things add up over time. And then even if you don't reach financial independence, you know, when you wanted to, you will be way, way, way better off than you would have if you just kept on the same trajectory you're on before. Amy and Vicky, I want to look at our community in general. Can you guys think of some role models we have of people who've started a little bit later in the game and seem to be doing well and following this pathway? I think J.L. Collins would probably fit, the guy who wrote The Simple Path to Well. I think he was older when he became financially independent, but maybe not. Yeah, I think he was. Another one I think of a lot is Deanna Brodus. So she had started Phyology and she recently rebranded, but she's one who kind of started in her mid forties. And, you know, unlike my story, for instance, where I realized I was financially independent, but I had already had kind of money saved up and a high net worth and those kind of things. She started in her path in her forties and seems to be doing really well. And I think there are a number of people like that. We don't always put them up in front and center in our community. Sometimes it's, you know, more fun to talk about the 25 year old who's retiring and traveling the world. But there are many people I think in their forties and fifties, Amy, as you said, you're one of them yourself. I guess I wasn't sure of your question where you, if you were talking about somebody who is already financially independent or somebody who's pursuing it. Um, as far as pursuing, there are quite a few, yes. Mm-hmm. I would say Fritz from the Retirement Manifesto certainly is a, a good example. Liz, Chief Mom Officer, she's mm-hmm. not quite 40, but she's been a great example of somebody that's doing it. 
what I'm finding is kind of like what happened with John and Vicki is there's people that are in their 40s who are already realizing they're financially independent because they've come across a fire movement. They didn't realize it. And now all of a sudden there are. So there are people in the space now that are Gen X, let's, you know, older Gen X, maybe young, even baby boomers who are coming to search for financial articles running across the fire movement. And then like, oh, wait, I'm already there. So I think there are quite a few of those people. But what people have to remember is a lot of people out there think they can't retire, you know, at 67 or 70 or yeah, or ever. And yeah, you might not be able to retire even by 55, but man, if you can do it at 59, it's still early and you're still retired. (laughs) You're not having to work forever. I think too many people think, oh, they can just work till 70. And then something happens and they just can't because they've lost their job. They got hurt, wife. Or they have to take care somebody, of someone. Yeah, take care of somebody else or whatever. And so it's so important that they not give up and think that because they're a certain age, it's too late. It's just not. Yeah. What interests me more for our conversation today is people who actually are starting at the beginning in their oh, 40s starting and at 50s. The okay. And the reason why is, I guess, the question that we're coming back to is it ever too late to start? And so I think we're really good at glamorizing people in their beginnings of their work life. And sometimes we're not as good about talking about people who are out there and doing it in the middle. And there are a lot of people in the middle who are pursuing this pathway and are doing a great job at it. And I just wanted to make sure we shed some light on it. I know Kathy, baby boomer, super mm-hmm. saver. She did was a late starter. I do know. Myself, just to give a little bit better idea, as I said, we weren't starting from zero. Combined net worth, though, was under 300000 at 45 years of age. So now we are in the double comma club, reached mm-hmm. that at, at five, six years. And Vicki, you went to the pop-up business school, right, over in Longmont, mm-hmm. Colorado. Was everyone 20 and 30-year-olds, or were there some people in their 40s and 50s who are at least starting to make a new go with businesses? I would say at least half of the room, and there were 75 people in that little room for two weeks, at least half were 40 and up. And the businesses they were trying to build were exciting. They had this amazing energy. And we've tracked some of them along the way. We're still friends. I had lunch with someone from Pop-Up just last month. I think the whole entrepreneurship piece, 40 and up, is another place where we can have a lot more discussion. Yeah, certainly it sounds like there are a lot of people who are making a go at it in their 40s and 50s, starting new businesses and pursuing financial independence in a different way, which is to start with the business asset class. And John, in your Millionaire Series, I'm just curious, were there any people who were part of that Millionaire Series who looked like they started a little bit later in the game? There are some, yeah, we're up to 150 now. So we're at the point where we have an example in almost every area. And I just got an email from a guy that's in the process of filling one out that said he started at like mid 40s and now he's in his late 50s. So we have some coming up as well. So I think it's just like anything else, financial independence, financial freedom, fire, whatever we want to call it, retiring early is an idea that is spreading quickly. And we're going to be hearing people, we've heard, we've heard the, you know, the 20 year old who's retiring and traveling the world, as we talked about earlier, because that's, you know, that's a glitzy headline that the media likes to have. But I think we're going to be hearing more stories about people at all ages, in all situations, doing different creative things to get to financial independence or financial freedom. And that'll be much more commonplace as the idea of financial freedom spreads. 
I did think of a couple other bloggers that are currently in their 40s and pursuing. One would be the FI Old Guys, relatively new blog that started. And I believe they're in their 40s. They could be early 50s. And then Kristen Edens. She recently changed her blog name. So yeah, she is also pursuing. I'm sure there's a lot of others. Yeah, Kristen's story is interesting because I think she went through a divorce and she had to kind of redefine or restart from the beginning. Yeah. So she's the classic example of the type of person that we kind of targeted in our mind of asking this question, is it ever really too late? And I think we know the answer is no, it's not too late, but what do you do about it? And what's unique to that particular circumstance? Uh, I think you guys have done a very good job elucidating what those ideas are. Okay. Well then, John, I'll give you the first shot at letting everybody know where they can find you and answering the question, what is up next for you? Okay. I'm at esimoney.com. Now you can find me there four times a week. I have different posts, including the millionaire interviews that happen every Monday. What's up next for me is I'm doing a bunch of traveling. So uh, I'm headed to Florida. Fort Myers Beach, Vicky. So kind of close to you, not exactly where you are, but in that vicinity. And then I'm traveling in January and uh, to Grand Cayman and to Hawaii in March. So that's what retirement's about, right? Is yeah. if you uh, set up your finances correctly, you can then you know, retire early and you can enjoy life. And one of the things we enjoy is traveling. So from a blog standpoint, same thing. It's going to be four posts a week. I have some new stuff coming up, so that'll be interesting. But I write about what's happening in my life, so stay tuned. Vicki, how about you? Where can we find you and what is up next for you? Well, unlike John, we spread four posts out across four different websites. So Amy and I have uh, Women Who Money, and we have two posts a week there. We have Women's Money Talk, which we're in flux with a little bit, but we're writing more of our personal stories, especially for this 45 and up women. So that's where we're kind of putting in those pieces where the people who are looking for, you know, how do we do this when we get started later? So we're, we're starting to, to shift that website to be answering those questions. And I also write on my own site at Make Smarter Decisions. And by the time this airs, I will be back from two weeks in Europe. I've never been there. Going to Germany and Italy to see my son who's studying there. And uh, we'll be packing up uh, to head south to Snowbird for the winter. Fantastic. Another advantage of having some flexible lifestyles. All right, Amy, how about you? Where can we find you? And what is up next for you? Well, as Vicki mentioned, you can find me at Women Who Money and Women's Money Talk. And then my own blog is lifesimplified.com. And I'm heavy on Twitter, so you can find me at Life Simplified on Twitter. What's up next for me is not such a fun story, but I am currently in the process of becoming a guardian and conservator for an elderly aunt. So I am going to be writing about that at Life Simplified, kind of showing how that's working, you know, the financial part of it, the health part of it uh, for her, as well as for me and the kind of the toll it's taking on me and my family. And this is a role I'm taking over that I never expected to have to be involved with. So it's uh, it's a challenge but I'm embracing it and going on. So this has been the What's Up Next podcast. On behalf of myself, Doc G, and my co-host, Paul Thompson, we wanted to thank Amy, Vicki, and John. That's a wrap. So I've got a question for you, John. Are, are you trying to pitch this idea of retirement is um, moving to Colorado Springs and playing pickleball? <laughs> that's right. That's the that's the idea on traveling uh, here and there to get rid of the out of the winter. Yeah, yeah, this is this is how John keeps looking like he's thirty years old. Yeah. Pickleball is <laughs> so the answer. Maybe we all should be playing pickleball, pickleball. and yeah. we will all you know make 
be, be younger next year, right, Vicky? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering, I was going to ask Vicky, if I do that younger next year thing for like 20 years, am I like then 30 or something? Like, yeah, you'll be like a teenager, John. Okay, yeah, right, great. I'd love that. We are definitely youth biased, I think, yeah. in a lot of what we do. So it's nice to see that it's not just for young people. This is for everyone. Uh, even as I lose more and more hair, I still <laughs> fit in, kind of, sort of. See, Amy, Paul is magical. He can take what you just said and splice it in. Oh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> as, well, as, as well as he can take whatever you say and jumble it up in such a way to get you to say almost anything. Yeah. So you should, so you yeah. should be nice. You might sound like Siri, but you, I can make you say whatever you want. <laughs> Well, sense. so I write two months in advance. So I'm writing posts now for the end of November, uh, mm. beginning of December. You better hurry up then. <laughs> yes, when will the episode be out? <laughs> that's, that's, are you gonna Are you gonna age a year in the time? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> November seventh. Uh, then I would say your future, because we probably won't. Uh, it'll be December yeah. before it comes out. Two, okay. two to three months. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. All right. Any so we, we just aged you a year during this thing. Uh, <laughs> That's now, all right. Now we're the same. Nope. So so here here's gonna be the greatest intro ever. Hey guys, we have a bunch of old folks on the on the show today. We're gonna be talking about ageism. <laughs> this is John Hunter Colorado Springs. <laughs> that was priceless. All right, Paul. Anything more? Should we get going? Um, yeah, we're gonna have some fun, aren't we? Hi, I'm Amy Blacklock. I'm the blogger behind Life Simplified and co-founder of Women Who Money. And I left my job in February of 2018, currently waiting for my husband to retire in the next year or two. And sorry, what else was I supposed to say? (laughs) That's it. So John ESI Money, do I say Colorado Springs? If you want to. If you want to. Okay. Um, Okay, good. Ready to have me do that? Yep. On three, two. Hey, this is John from Colorado Springs. I write at ESI Money, and you're listening to the What's Up Podcast. Oh, everything but the name of the podcast was right. <laughs> what's up? Pod- is this not the What's Up Podcast? It's the What's Up Next What's pod- Up Next? Ah, oh. <laughs> okay. You are, you are not the first one to do that, by the way. What's up? I'm just saying those bud commercials, you know? What's Up Next? Okay, let me try it again. Okay, Paul. Amy, you ready? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a resounding yes is what I heard. I'm trying to think of where I should say I'm from. You don't have to do that if you don't want to at all. Yeah. <laughs> just, just say, just say from last month, five, be fine. Yep. So I was 42. I went back and did the calculations. So I could have retired 10 years earlier. This is why I'm bitter with Mr. Money Mustache. He needed to be around <laughs> for me. Um, so, yeah, I... Uh, I thought I would work till 65 or 67. Once we looked at earning more money, saving more money, and investing more money, <clears throat> wonder where I got that from. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> um, and let's actually put together a game plan because there are people potentially who are listening to this who might be in that similar situation. What do you do first? Okay, Paul, you're taking my idea. I've got like six ideas for blog posts already <laughs> from this conversation. That was like my main one. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. I just, I've always had enough money. You know, like I've, I've Excuse been, me for a minute while my head explodes. Okay. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Take my blogger uh, license away or something. But um, Amy and Vicki, I want to look at our community in general. Can you guys think of some role models we have of people who've started a little bit later in the game and seem to be doing well and following this pathway? 
They're they're both stunned <laughs> in silence. I have one. I, have one, I think me. Um, so I think uh, J. L. Collins. Um, I say we start naming people like in their thirties, and they get mad at us for saying. <laughs> <laughs> Any last thoughts that you haven't had a chance to share before we move on to the what's up next question? Or have you, we just answered it so perfectly that there's nothing else to say. I think we've been be so amazingly awesome. <laughs> nothing left to say. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It feels really good to be productive, but a lot of the time it's easier said than done, especially when you need to make time to learn about productivity so you can actually, you know, be productive. But you can start your morning off right and be ready to get stuff done in just a few minutes with the Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day podcast. New episodes drop every weekday, so listen and subscribe to Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts. That's Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts.